Father God, we are so humbled, Lord, that we get to sing to you. God, we're so humbled that we get to be in your presence. Father, in our own strength, God, we could not do that. Father, you're holy, you're powerful, and God, we believe you're here in the house. So God, would you move in power? God, I pray that today for many people, this would be the day that the training wheels come off. And God, they would ride for you, they would fly for you. God, you desire for your people not just to settle, but to fly with the eagles. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 11 this morning. Luke chapter 11, we will be in the first 13 verses. This Thanksgiving's coming up, and uh, this weekend you may have seen a lot of things. Uh, if you're on the interweb, you may have seen something that some millennials and some Gen, Gen Zers have been doing. They, As a joke, they are asking their mothers, how long do you have to put a 25-pound turkey in the microwave to cook it? And the answers are hilarious. Gail Carter said zero. One mom said, in response to her daughter's question, I did not raise you this way. Another mother said, about four hours. One mom in central Mississippi said, uh, no ma'am. That's all she said. My mother-in-law, who is a pastor's wife, Allison sent her a text message just to see what she would say and she says, in the microwave, question mark, meat in the microwave is nasty. Bake it like a good southern girl should. There's a lot of questions in our society, right? A lot of questions about a lot of things. And you may come in here today with a lot of questions. Some are good questions. Some are curious questions. Some are really bad questions. The problem with many of our questions is that we are, uh, they're all horizontal. And we need to be asking more questions to the Lord, the one who owns the bank, the one who can do anything, the one who is all-powerful, who knows all things. A lot of questions in this life, like what do you get when you cross a joke with a rhetorical question? See, that's a silly question. Another question is, if you're flying through the desert, in a canoe, and your wooden tire bus, how many bearded monkeys does it take to suck the cheese out of watermelon? Exactly. There's a lot of bad questions. And I'm afraid we spend so much time and energy and effort asking the wrong questions. Did you hear me? We spend a lot of time, energy, and effort asking the wrong questions. In Luke chapter 11, I love what the disciples Say, let's, let's look at it. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught His disciples. He really was asking a question. He was asking, Lord, will You teach us how to pray? Lord, would You teach us to pray just as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, 
saying? This is how the Lord answers this request. Father, in other words, He says, do this. Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I'm sure as the Lord shares this story, He's thinking about all the moms and dads that it took them 17 hours to get their children to go to sleep. Verse 8, I tell you, though He will not get up and give Him anything because He is His friend, yet because of His impudence, He will rise and give Him whatever He needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Wow. Ask. A-S-K. As we learn how to pray through Jesus' teaching, we see that we need to organize our prayer not around our to-do list, We need to organize our prayer, not around what we think is the most pressing issue of the day, but we need to organize our prayer so that it lines up with the will of God. By the way, I do not recommend praying against the will of God. Have you found yourself doing that before? Lord, if it be possible, let my team win, or let this happen, or let this happen. We should should not come to the Lord flippantly. And then go against His will in an obvious nature. We would just be using the Lord. And sadly, that is southern evangelicalism in a nutshell. Lord, give me what I need and then I'll go and do my own thing and live how I want. That's not biblical Christianity. But what God desires today is for His children to come to Him honestly, humbly, and boldly. I heard a man say this week, one of our church members, last week actually, last Sunday. Maybe that was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Godly man, loves the Lord. He said, he jokingly, he says, Lord, help me catch a fish so big that I don't have to lie. Now that's an honest prayer. I think a more appropriate prayer would be, Lord, 
help me catch a fish so big so I will not be tempted to lie. But that man was just joking. Most of his stories are all true. I noticed an acrostic right here in the text. And you may have seen it before, but I didn't, I've never seen this. And it just jumped out at me. And so today is outline, a listening outline, very simple. And if you're a kiddo in the house, by the way, I, how encouraging it is to see these little ones stand by their moms and dads and sing to the Lord. It's powerful. There's three obvious action verbs concerning prayer that I'd like to highlight in this passage. Number one, ask for His help. Ask for His help. Elementary students, do you see that? You can ask God for His help. Ask for His help. Verse 1, the disciples, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Verse 3, Basically, it was using the imperative tense, which making a request. Please give us some bread. Verse 4, the same way. Will you forgive our sins? That's what they meant when they said, Lord, forgive us. They weren't necessarily commanding God to forgive them of their sins, but they're, they're asking, Lord, will you forgive us? They're asking for forgiveness. Verse 5, another asking. Is there, Jesus says there's a friend at midnight. Ask for what you need. Verse 9. Ask, and it will be given. Verse 10. Everyone who asks, what's it say? Receives. If you don't ask, then you won't receive. If you don't ask for God to reveal His will in your life, then most of the time He will not. If you don't ask ever about anything, then you you don't really acknowledge that there's a relationship. And if you don't ever acknowledge the relationship, there may not be a relationship with the Lord. You may say, well, me and God, we've got our own kind of relationship. You ever heard people say that? Well, we just, we've worked out something where I can just stay at home and watch preachers on TV and, and uh, I can just have my house church, just me and myself and the Holy Spirit and, and, uh, and, and the Lord doesn't care if I live like a heathen and do all these things. we got it worked out. You ever heard that? People say that before? Well, if that's the case, friend, let me say, let's just call him right now on the telephone and let's ask him if that's okay with him, that you, you got it worked out, that it's just okay for you just to premeditate all these sins in your life. And just premeditate, uh, say, just assume what God's will is without checking in with Him first. That's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And so, so many people live their lives like that. They really do. You say, I don't care what so-and-so says. I don't care. Well, friend, what if God sent that person into your life to send you a wake-up call to speak to, your, speak to you? We do not get to define the terms when it comes to the Lord. He's the boss. He's the Lord. And if He's not Lord of all of it, He's not your Lord. No matter how much you come to church and sing, no matter how many times you read your Bible, no matter the times you post something on social media about the Lord, if He's not Lord of all of it, He is not your Lord, whether you say it or not. Ask 
You know what keeps us from asking in our prayers? Pride. Pride. It just gets in the way. You know, in the Grand Canyon, anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Do you know that people die there every single year? And do you know that most of the people, 9 out of 10 of them, die? It's, it's not the ones who have just eaten McDonald's every day, all day for a year. It's not the ones that are in the worst shape. Nine times out of ten, most of the people that die in the Grand Canyon, the people that they have to go rescue, are the healthiest, most experienced outdoorsmen in the world. Now, what, what causes them to get in trouble? Pride. Pride. And a lot of times they wait too late to call for help, and by that time, it's too late. Pride. Pride keeps us from asking for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7 says that the Lord stores up wisdom for the righteous. And if you're born again this morning, then you have the righteousness of Christ. The Lord stored it up. Just dump trucks full of wisdom. Most of it's going untapped. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Lean not on your own understanding. James chapter 1, verse 5, hear this promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And then that promise says, and it will be given to you. I'm not making this up. Take your Bible and turn to James chapter 1, verse 5, and look at it if you don't believe me. I'm going to say it again. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without fault. And it will be given to you. Most American Christians never ask for wisdom because they don't think they lack wisdom. That's the problem. Prove my point. When was the last time that you asked for God's wisdom? I mean, it's promised in God's Word. He will give it. It's just a little hidden gem in the Bible that it's a promise that if you ask and you lean and you ask God for wisdom about this or this or this, and you sometimes you have to fast and sometimes you have to wait on the Lord. But if you need wisdom, the Bible was given a promise. He'll give it. Most of us never take the time to ask for it. God's will is not a riddle or a puzzle left up to really Bright theologians. God wants His children to know His perfect and pleasing will. Look how He answers that disciple's request. He didn't say, "Um, guys, I'm busy healing some guy right now of blindness. Uh, Boys, I'm over here trying to create some more stars, and I don't have time for this request. No, the Lord, He answers it immediately. He stopped what He was doing, And he gave him a word right then and right there. You see, when God's people cry out to him, it gets his attention. It gets his attention. Don't you want to have his attention today? I mean, the king of kings of kings. It gets his attention. God created fish to need water. God created plants where they need the sun. God created people to 
where we need a relationship, that kind of relationship with God the Father. He doesn't mind when we come to Him for help. It doesn't bother Him. He has time to listen. John chapter 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, and that I will do, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The second action verb from this passage is seek. Seek the Lord. Look at all the times in this passage where seek kind of shows up. Verse 2. It says, Father, hallowed be your name. Well, they were seeking the Lord. Verse 2, verse uh, there it says, seek, I mean, your kingdom come. What does that look like, by the way? God's kingdom to come here on earth. Verse 4, Lord, help us to seek out how to avoid temptation. That's what they said. The Lord's teaching us to pray. Lord, deliver me from temptation. They're seeking out. Okay, Lord, help us to avoid these traps of the evil one. And so, God, we're asking for for wisdom to know how to walk, where to walk. And God, we're asking you to deliver us, to help us not fall in a trap. Verse 9 says, seek and what? And you will find. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, and without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you know that? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That may be one of the most profound statements in all the Bible. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek, seek Him. Are you seeking the Lord today? You can, while He may be found. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those who come to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You know, the famous verse is verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Everybody loves that verse, but we stop it short. Verse 13 says, You will seek Me and find Me when you seek me with all of your heart. You don't get to just put that Bible verse in your annual when you graduate high school and, okay, Lord, my life's going to be rosy and I'm, you're going to have all these great plans for me when you do not seek the Lord. The rest of the promise is this. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In other words, you can find Him if you seek after Him. Psalm 34 verse 10 says that the the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's good. The young lions may suffer hunger and want, but those, those who seek the Lord, they lack nothing that they need. Are you seeking the Lord today? Tonight, together as a church, those of you that want to come, we're seeking the Lord together. Seeking the Lord together. You say, what are, you, what are we doing tonight? Well, we're going to have an old-fashioned 
New Testament church meeting. So anybody that wants to today, we're asking you to, to have a fast. Maybe have some water, some juice, crackers if you're about to pass out. Pastor James has written a little thing on fasting. It should be in your bulletin. Just You say, well, why not eat? Because it gives us more time to think about the Lord. It gives us more time to pray. It gives us some, some extra time to focus, to deny your flesh, our flesh, and to seek the Lord. And then at 5 o'clock today, we're going to break that fast. Not having breakfast. We're not having breakfast, but we're breaking the fast at 5 o'clock. And then we're going to eat for about 30 minutes. Then we're going to have a little Devo, and then we're going to pray. And then we're going to just try to hear from the Lord through the Spirit. Do you believe that God's Spirit speaks? Do you believe that God's Spirit falls from heaven in power? I do. You say, well, what, what are we trying to seek out? Whatever God wants to say. He might speak to us and say, He wants us to send somebody in, the, in our church to the moon. And if He does, we're going to say, Okay, Lord, give us the first step. Let's go. Let's do it. Lord, we, how are we going to do that? You know, God will never ask you to do something. He will not provide the means to do it. Did you know that? Our new IMB president, Dr. Paul Chitwood, you'll be hearing about him in the future. But uh, he's been approved to be our next International Mission Board president, taking the place of David Platt. And Paul and his wife really weren't crazy about taking this position, but the Lord just kept just speaking into their lives. And, and God began to speak into this search committee from all these people all over the Southern Baptist Convention that have been elected. And, and so they're in this, about 20-something of them, and they're hearing from the Lord, and, and they just feel like God's saying through His Spirit, this is the guy. And they, they said, well, they talked to him about it. He said, well, we got these things in our life, and we've got our family, we've got our house, and the, the Scripture kept saying, uh, leave your house and your mother and your father and follow me. He said his, he, he didn't want to read that verse in the New Testament, so he, he would, every time he got close to it, he just closed his Bible. And he said the next day his, sermon, his pastor got up, and, and that's the text in the sermon. And so he said, okay, Lord, uh, it was December the 5th. No, I'm sorry, November the 4th. They finally said, Lord, this doesn't make sense, and here's why. Their daughter, they're fostering a little girl. And the state said, you can't leave the state, right? You cannot leave the state permanently and uh, you, you, as long as she's in the, the foster care system. Well, they're trying to adopt her. And so uh, the, the rest of the story is they, on November the 4th, they said, Lord, this doesn't make sense, but we know your will is so clear in this. We're just going to say yes in obedience. The next day, they got a phone call from their attorney that said that, the adoption of their daughter will be finalized on December the 6th. And then in January, they can move wherever they want. I mean, so sometimes God's will, you say, well, it doesn't make sense, Lord. How am I going to go this way? Friend, the Lord's already worked it out. And He is glorified when He intervenes in those ways that are miraculous. He's glorified. I mean, He wants people to know He's the living God. Did you know that? He wants to show up and show out. He's not afraid. He doesn't want to hide His glory. He wants all people to see it. So tonight, we're going to seek the Lord together. I encourage you to come to that if you can. If you can't, you seek the Lord in your own way. And let's find Him together. Lastly, 
Third action verb. Knock. Knock on the door. Knock on the door. Keep knocking. You say, Pastor, I've been knocking for 30 years. Francis Chan shared a story. You may have heard of it. For 30 years, he prayed for his certain friend to accept Jesus. When they were younger and he was in his 20s, his friend who he thought was really walking with the Lord decided that Jesus wasn't for him anymore. And then for 30 years, Francis prayed for this friend to come to know the Lord. You know, about year 10, he probably thought, I don't think he's going to get saved. Year 15, year 20, year 25, year 29, man, God, do you hear me? And then after 30 years of praying, of knocking on the door, knocking on the Lord's door, you know what happened? His friend came to know Jesus. Not just his friend, but his, his friend's wife and Francis Chan baptized both of them. Sometimes you just got to keep knocking. The Lord, He hears. There was a grandmother at my, my last church, and some family members had been praying for her, for Grandma to come and know Jesus. I mean, Thanksgiving was awesome, but it'd be a lot better if Grandma was saved, right? And so they, people began to pray in the family, and, and we were baptizing her, her granddaughter that morning, and, and I'll never forget, I said, Lord, God, I pray. It's somebody in the crowd, like we're in the back praying, and we're in the huddled up. I said, Lord, would you save somebody today through this witness of this little girl? God, would you show somebody what you can do by the power of the blood of Jesus and because of the cross and because of the risen Savior? Would you show somebody, God, would you save somebody today through this little girl's testimony? And so at the end of the service, we had the invitation. That little girl's grandma walked the aisle. And I didn't realize who she was. I'm sitting here praying, ma'am, you want to accept Jesus? Okay, let's get on our knees. So me and grandma got right there on, on her knees. She prayed to receive the Lord. After the service, I started connecting the dots. Oh my goodness, this, this is her great. Wow. You see, that's, God does that kind of stuff when we ask Him. Sometimes you have to keep knocking. You know, there are certain doors you get to, like in a certain place, and maybe the CIA headquarters, or, or maybe your workplace, there's a certain door, or if you go to the hospital, I see you, you've got to press a button. You know what I'm talking about? And they come on the intercom, they say, how may I help you? And if you don't have the right answer, you're not getting in. And I'm afraid so many times, so many of us, we're not pressing the button. We're not pressing the button. We're not even knocking. We're just standing there in front of the intercom. Or it's like standing in the line at Best Buy all through the night in the cold, Black Friday, and we have a ticket to already go in. But we're just standing out in the cold. I wonder if the Lord hears me. Friend, we got to knock. We have to press the button. We have to do what it takes to go forward, especially when God's already opened the door. We can sit around and talk about it all day long. But it comes a time for action. A lot of churches are held back because they never push the button. A lot of believers are held back because they never knock. And when God does open the door, we, we get afraid and we do not walk forth in obedience. We'd rather just sit around in the desert eating manna, old manna. And the Lord said, I want you to take you to the promised land. I got something for you. I want to use you to take the gospel to the nations. The Lord is looking for people this morning who will knock on the door and who will go forth in obedience. So I want you to explore 
when the Lord said knock, you know what he was saying? He's saying explore the will of God. Explore. I mean, check into what God might be doing. Lay your life out before the Lord. Friend, is your life laid out bare before the Lord? Have you given God a blank check with your life? Is your life in His hands or is it still in your own hands? The Lord's driving the car, but He's giving you the keys. He's giving me the keys to see if we're going to hand them back to Him. Just see if we're going to let Him drive. Jesus Take the Wheel is the most biblical song Carrie Underwood has sang. And if you get your theology from country music, we need to talk. But the Lord, I mean, is He really in control of your life and my life? Is your life in the hands of the Lord? Is your life in your own hands? We can, we can ask for help anytime from the Lord. We can call on Him personally. And then when God opens the door, we can walk through it, or we can sit around and talk about it. And all the while, people are dying and going to hell. And we're in here sitting, sitting around on chairs. God's moving. God wants to work in our lives in and through us. Comes a time for action. Life's too short just to go through the motions. Way too short. And you don't have time for it, and I don't have time for it. Well, God's given us the most important news on the planet, and people need to hear it. I want to show you a car. The Hennessy Venom F5. Anybody ever heard of this car? You see this car? Look at that. About 1,400 horsepower. You see that car? That car will go 300 miles per hour. 300 miles per hour. Let's look at the next pic. Look at that. You see those people, they come to, to look at that car. You know, if that car didn't go 300 miles per hour, nobody would come to look at it. You hear me? If that car did not go 300 miles per hour, nobody would come to look at it. Let's look at the next picture. Look at that. In a way... The Holy Spirit's power in our life. Most of us are tapping into that power. Point zero 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 one percent We've been giving God Himself to live inside of us, to live through us. But we're operating on below 1% of that power and that capacity because we're not walking forth by faith every day. That car is designed to go 300 miles per hour. Battleships are the same way. By the way, that car goes zero to 186 miles per hour in less than 10 seconds. That's incredible if you don't know anything about cars. That's, that's really fast. All right, next picture. I'm going to show you this picture. This is the USS Iowa. You ever heard of this ship before? Very storied battleship. Incredible. Uh, it just had a good track record of all these victories in battle. And, and they would, as modern technology came out, they would soup it up. They used it in World War II, but it kept going for a long time. Then they retired it for a while, and then they brought it back in. They put new guns on it and made, put new nice bells and whistles on it, new technology. But you know, a ship in the harbor, like this one is, it's safe. But that's not what ships are for. That's not what a battleship is for. It's not designed to sit there. You know, if that thing sat there all day, it would end up having a lot of problems. You know why? 
That ship is designed to be where? At sea. Same way with God's people. We are designed and created to follow the Lord in obedience. And when we do not, we start to break down. Bad things happen. Let me show you this next picture. That's what battleships are for. Look at that. That is what battleships are designed to do. Next picture, please. Thank you. Look at that power. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We're operating on point zero, 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 zero. We could go all day with the zeros. I mean, God, the Holy Spirit. I'm pulling up in the church parking lot this morning. The song, My, my God's Not Dead, He's Surely Alive. So if you heard a, a minivan out here just cranking the, the music this morning in the parking lot, that was our family. We were rocking. I mean, because He's alive. He's like a lion on the inside. He's not dead. He's alive and well, friend. And He's got plans for you. He's got plans for us. Have you ever seen a bald eagle scooting around on the ground like a chicken? You ever seen that before? Wouldn't that be funny? We've got a few eagles close by here in Waveland and the Bay in the past. There's a few of them. But what if you went home today and in your yard you saw some bald eagles just scooting around on the ground acting like chickens? Wouldn't that be silly? That's what most Christians, that's most somehow we live our life, isn't it? When God has designed us, fly. Mount up with wings like eagles. and Fly. For His glory. Not so people can see us, but for the Lord. Too many Christians walking around like chickens. When the Lord's given us the wings of the Holy Spirit, designed us to fly. And then lastly in this passage, so clear. You want to know how to be filled with the Spirit? It's right here. It's a mystery. It's right here in the text. We can pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. He said, well, I thought we got the Holy Spirit at salvation. We did. Simultaneously, the Spirit of God entered into your body. You say, well, where is it? Is, is the Holy Spirit in your brain? Is He in your kneecaps to help you move? Is He in your elbows? I don't know, but I think it's somewhere right here. He's inside of you. All of Him. And when the Bible talks about they were filled with the Holy Spirit, if you look in the book of Acts, you do a word study, it's not. And this is where a lot of people get sideways. This is where a lot of charismania goes insane and distracts people from Jesus. As we start thinking that we can get more of Him out there somewhere and come and fill us up, But here's the truth. When the Holy Spirit entered into your, into your life, you got all of Him. And so in the New Testament, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it says many times, right? From their toenails to the top of their head, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what that meant? That the Holy Spirit got more of them. You with me? The Holy Spirit got more of them. In fact, He began to just bubble out. And the power of God was on their life. 
There had to be those moments when people looked at the disciples and they just had fire in their eyes. The anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. There's nothing wrong with asking God to come and move in power. But friend, we already have the power. We're not even, we're driving the, the Christian Holy Spirit race car one miles per hour when it will go a gazillion miles per hour. And it's a shame. It's ridiculous that we as individuals and we as a church, we act like, oh man, we just our, our country's go, you know, in trouble. Friend, you think the Lord is surprised by anything happening in our country? God is at work. He is moving. So the, the big question today is, is not how long do you microwave a turkey in the microwave? <laughs> the big question today is not, so what are your Thanksgiving plans? The big question today is, are you going to depend on the Lord? Are you going to seek Him? Are you going to lean into God? Are you going to let Him call the shots in your life? Are you going to obey Him as He calls you to go? You know, the Lord said to Isaiah, Whom shall I send and who will go? Whom shall I send and who will go? That's what God's saying to us today through His Spirit, I believe. And sadly, many people would hear that and they'll, they'll say, Lord, here I am, but send them. Here I am, but I got stuff to do. Here I am, but God, this, your plans don't fit into my plans. Here I am, Lord, but you don't understand my situation. God, you don't understand my circumstances. Friend, God created your brain. He knows how you think and what's going on in your life. When God calls you and me, He's not concerned about a particular set of circumstances. He could care less because He knows He's already worked out those circumstances for you to obey God calls to do something. He'll provide the means to do it. 